Holy crap. A new introduction to the podcast. But for real, though, the rest of it will come after this. I just want to thank you guys. Um, all the five-star ratings that we're getting on all the podcast apps is awesome. And I appreciate it when I hear people telling me that someone else told them about the podcast. So you guys rock. Uh, listen to the commercials or skip by them. It's cool. And your episode's on its way. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, we're actually recording as we start this episode today. Not a big fuck up like last week. So, um, we were, are we hitting Iran and some airstrikes or what's going on here? We're starting World War Three, man. What are you talking about? Good Lord. <laughs> Isn't, uh, didn't your Uncle Joe say that uh, wouldn't Trump be the first person to do that? Yeah, I he thought. He would never do such a thing. Well, I, to be fair, like, Joe would say that he wouldn't do something while he's doing it. He'd be like, I don't deep throat ice cream cones, and then he'd deep throat an ice cream cone while he's doing it. Does that turn you on when he does that? I, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, man, that guy is, is strange. He's, he's on the, uh, I don't know what kind of uh, travel he's doing right now, but I think he's been trying to talk to people, and they got a couple nice shots of him trying to talk to, uh, I think, union workers, and oh, they're oh, just yeah. ignoring him. I don't know if you've seen those pictures. I haven't seen that one. I've seen the one where the union worker, he's in, like, he's in the union plant, and he's giving a big talk, and, like, one dude walks up and asks him something about, um, you know, union workers or gun owners also. What do you say when... 
you know, we think you're when we talk about you're trying to take our Second Amendment rights away, and he instantly goes to like, I'll do more push-ups than you, man, or whatever the fuck his. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, ridiculous thing is that he does. Like that's the only union one I've seen. Yeah, he's always uh, you know, tougher than this crowd. So. Yeah, tough with Secret Service at his back. Yeah. Bro, you're you're a hundred years old. Like you don't get to talk tough anymore. You know, know, at uh, some point in time, you just have to give that up. It's corn pop, man. He's still got the nightmares from corn pop. Um, U.S. just approved a $4 billion drone sale to India. That seems positive. It does? I, no. <laughs> See, I laid the sarcasm on pretty thick. Yeah. I mean. Not that India is a, I mean, India is not a, a big problem, but I don't know. I just, I guess it's $4 billion worth of income coming into the United States, right? Yeah, they're going to need it, especially up in uh, New York. I mean, have you seen the uh, shit storms happening up there now? No, what's going on up there? Um, they just allotted, I think, $53 million to um, prepaid credit cards for the illegal immigrants that are there. And it's turning into a shit show because uh, some of these illegal immigrants are starting to uh, beat up the cops. They gang up and cops can't handle them. So, that doesn't it, seem like a problem at all. No, but they wanted it. Well, they wanted it until they got it. Then they didn't want it. Now they're um, pandering to them. So, I mean, it's an election year. Suppose you got to, you know, get more voters one way or the other. Well, and that's the thing. I, at what point in time do we start? It, it, it's ripping the Band-Aid off, right? Because we are, we're, we're a country of immigrants. We truly are. But we're a country of legal immigrants. So at what point in time do we pull back and say we can't keep funding the unlimited amount of people that are coming into the country. Like if you're here, you should be here producing something, right? Like like working for something. Now I would hate to be a $10 an hour father or mother at this point, trying to pay the ridiculous rent prices that are being charged in right now in, in major metropolitan areas, you know, but Realistically, if you have that low income, I, I believe it's pretty easy to get housing assistance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're all living subsidized housing. But, I'll, you know, I mean, there's a good amount of immigrants that come over that are good workers. But the problem is you're not vetting out the criminals that are coming across the border. And there's a process. And in this country, there's not a problem. We don't need any more laws. We just need enforcement. And sometimes we let the legislators just, you know, play on us and say, oh, well, we need add more legislation here. Let's drop, you know, another 2,000 pages of legislation and get some, you know, get some funds allotted to that. And it's, and we don't, we, we have plenty, even like uh, for, you know, for guns, right? There's, there's plenty of gun legislation. There's just not proper enforcement. The only, and this will piss off half of our audience for saying this, but the only thing that I think needs to be finessed a little bit is the non-licensed gun sales, non-licensee gun sales, right? Because like, I don't know if, have you been to a gun show in the last five years? Like, you know how they do the the gun show at the fair or the gun show at this hotel. Have you ever been to one of those? Yeah, I, I I went to one, I think uh, I was invited to one right before COVID. Okay. So the, was, pr- the yeah. prices at those are, are, are now so astronomically high 
because a lot of people that are going there to buy guns mm-hmm. are people that can't legally go to a store and buy guns. So they're going there and they're buying guns from a person who is, you know, private selling gun firearms and they're yeah. paying twice of what they would at the store because they would never pass a legal background check in a store. Yeah. I mean, I definitely saw some of that and you saw some folks that just want to be off the grid, right? Yeah, and and I get like I get it. I'm not saying that you take away private person to person gun sales. I'm definitely not saying that at all because I realize that there is, you know, I have sold guns to friends. I have bought guns from friends. I have bought guns from individuals um that I don't even know. But how do you monitor those sales without, you know, being a big brother type situation where you're stopping mm. anybody from selling anything? I don't know. Do you vet the people that come into the gun shows when they come in, let's say, buy a ticket? So the reason with the the reason the reason they call it a gun show law is because a lot of it's happening at gun shows. But it really, it's the same thing as me buying a gun from you because you know a friend of mine. Yeah. It's just it's literally just private gun sales. Yeah. And a lot of states don't allow that. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it is tough. You know, that's something that I would tiptoe on. I mean, you know, I've purchased a firearm from you. Yeah. But to me, to go sell it to somebody that I don't know, I don't know. I mean, you said you done it. Uh, actually, I don't think. I've sold, well, clearly I sold one to you, right? Yeah. I've sold, but I've never sold to somebody I don't know. I've only purchased from people I don't know. Yeah. You know so what I mean? Yep. Yeah, so anything that I, yeah, I've purchased outside of that. In that area, it's just people either I know, um, and in the back of my mind, it's, you know, I keep thinking, okay, what's the path of this, you know, just so that there's no, you know, I guess a level of uh, security. I don't even know if that's the right word. Well, and like, like what I think about is like my, my carry that I carried before my most recent carry. Yeah. I purchased from a you know, from a guy that I found on a, um, like a Craigslist type website and I purchased it from him and filled out no paperwork. I didn't sign a bill of sale or anything. So I have that gun and would carry that gun on me, on my person with zero, like zero link of that gun going to me. Yeah. So like if anything ever happened, nothing of that gun would ever come back to me. Like I think about that once in a while, you know, like, If that gun ever got stolen and a crime got committed with it, yeah, that would never come. It would go back to the guy that was last registered. That is correct. Yep. So, yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. It's something you have to think beyond the instantly in front of you. Yeah, it's probably not. It's probably not the majority of the problems. Realistically, when you see videos, no. when you see videos of gangs walking through downtown St. Louis firing off AK forty sevens in the air while they're walking through town and nothing is happening. Yeah. Probably, you know, private gun sales probably isn't really the main issue that we need to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, between the gangs and the uh, terrorists, I mean, firing in the air is probably one of the stupidest things you can do anyway. But I, I mean, I get it. Cops are scared, you know, because if you if you go after the wrong person. Yeah. And something happens. It's really a lose lose for you. Very rarely is it going to go right. You know, because if you don't, if you don't fire early enough, you could die. Mm-hmm. And if you fire too early, you're going to be, you know, 
the next martyr. Yeah. I don't know, man. But responsible gun ownership is a, is a must. I feel bad for cops. I really do. I do. Well, imagine what if you were a New York City cop right now. Yeah. And there's, there's no, you're not protected, so. No, and if you, like, if you, if you fuck up anything in any major blue city like that, you're screwed. Yeah. They're not, your, your department does not have your back. You're not protected and you're not, and you are fully responsible. Yeah. For even if it's indirect action, so. And you make $60,000 a year. Yeah. There's, there's just nothing that would draw, draw me to do it. So not no. in those areas or even Chicago. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, if you rattle off almost every blue city, I just would not do it. So. No. I mean, I'd um, go be Barney Five. You know, small town USA, Barney Five. Like, that wouldn't be bad. There's plenty of small towns around here where I'm like, I swear they're bored because they're on every speed trap that you could possibly think of. Oh, I grew up in a small town. Small town cops, all they do is they, they, they love to harass teenage kids. Like, that's Just what they, that's Speed their traps, that's all day long. Yep. Tinted windows, loud music, everything, yeah. man. I, I, so I, I had this, I had this 1994 Ford Taurus, right? A Taurus? So yeah, oh yeah, Pinkley Taurus. Oh Pinkley my Motors. gosh, man. So... I worked in the Dells and I worked at Tommy Bartlett's and I, I worked in the Dells, but it was about 20% um, high school kids from the local area and 80% imported people from Eastern Europe, Poland and Yugoslavia and all those Eastern European oh, that's countries. Right. In your area, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so there's these two guys don't remember their names, but they were getting ready to leave because the summer was over and they had this Ford Taurus that they had bought. They had saved up money and bought so that they had a car while they were here. Yeah. And I think they paid, you know, they paid 800 bucks for it or something. It was a piece of shit, but they were trying to sell it to me and, and I knew that they had to leave. So I'm like, I'm not giving you 800 bucks for it. It finally got down to the night before they had to leave for the airport. And I'm like, I'll give you 200 bucks. And they took it. Right. Oh, serious. Cause they had to, what, what are they going to do? I suppose. Yeah. You know? So I give them 200 bucks for this, for this Taurus. And I don't remember where I came across. It was a, it was a brown, a shit brown Ford Taurus, but I had come across some blue doors and a hood that were not rusty because this thing was like rusted out. Yeah. So I put the blue doors and the blue hood on this rest of the car was brown. And then to be funny, right, this is like kind of when Fast and the Furious was all fun, fun was, was kind of hot, you know? Yeah. So I took a, a spray can, right, just just rattle can, and I rattle canned a NOS logo on the hood. Like not good. I mean, it was shit. Like literally <laughs> free-handed a NOS logo on the hood, right? You graffitied a NOS logo on your yeah, hood. Yeah, I graffitied yeah. a NOS logo on my hood. And this car, like, this was the beater, right? We, we would jump this thing. We, I pulled a mattress behind it, and we rode on the mattress up and down the road behind this car. Like, this was just the shit car that we all just beat the fuck out of. I get pulled over on the way to the Dells, and this was, like, you know, October, November. So I'd had the car for a few months. It had this, the cop comes up, and he's, you know, talking to me about whatever I did. I don't even remember what I did. And he, dead serious, goes, do you have nitrous oxide in this car? I'm like, what? Like, I had forgotten about the stupid fucking spray paint on the hood, you know? Oh, my God. I'm like, what? And he's like, you know, it's illegal to have your nitrous hooked up if you have nitrous oxide in this car. I'm like, dude, this is a 1994 rusted out fucking Ford Taurus. <laughs> what are you talking about? But uh, that's that's cops in a small town. You know, like, he was Barney Fife. Yeah. But you were advertising NOS. <laughs> I mean. With, with a fucking rattle can you know, logo on the hood. You know, he just, I mean, I also how had, would he know? 
I also had a truck that we did a chalk line of a dead body on the hood, but I never got asked about that. Yes, uh, you know, true. I mean, this is that that's that's the fun we had when I grew up. Was yeah. that type of shit, you know? Yeah, you were in a weird area, so I mean, there's a lot of uh, people migrating that area to work part time. Yeah, it was the, you know the Dells. It was all I learned. You know, I learned how for to our say listeners, something. the Dells is the water park capital of the world. Oh yeah, sorry, Wisconsin. it's super touristy area in our, but it's only because we're in Wisconsin. It's only busy from like mm, June ish, late late May, um, early June through Labor. You know what is it? Memorial Day or Labor Day? What's the second one? Uh, Labor Day through Labor Day, and then like everybody goes back to school and everybody goes home. So it's all like migrant workers that they bring over. And I learned how to say some pretty good shit in Polish. I oh can... really? Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I, I dated a uh, a Polish gal. I think she was Polish. Only to find out that she was married to some 80-something-year-old dude. That's how she basically uh, was trying to make her way into the U.S. I mean, girls got to have dreams, right? Yeah. And I'll be honest. I'll say it on air. The only reason I dated her was uh, she made some killer cabbage rolls. And I fucking love cabbage rolls. It wasn't because she was gorgeous? Well, I mean, she had that European thing going. Yeah. And uh, But, I don't know. I was enamored with the cabbage rolls because she, a buddy of mine liked her. And I was trying to help him hook up with her, and it ended up being... Uh, and then she ended up liking you. She ended up liking me, and then I saw the cabbage rolls, and I just, you know, couldn't say no to cabbage rolls. Then you're in. I'm in. It happens, man. It happens to the best of us. Yep. You're going to go in, you're going to try to wingman for your friend, but then you're too good of a wingman? I know. I, I don't know. <laughs> Let's kill that story. It's the curse of being a handsome <laughs> son of a bitch. That's what it is. That's <laughs> the, the European-Asian... Uh, Attraction, maybe I don't know. Who knows? Is there a European Asian tra- attraction? Is that a thing? I don't think so. I just made that sounded shit up. good though. Sounded really yep. good. It's the new thing. It's the new DEI thing. There's a uh, there's an Asian girl white man thing. What? Yeah. Where'd you hear that? Oh, it's all over the internet, man. I must be missing that. I I'm Asian. Asian don't they girls. Don't that out on my feed. Asian girls and white men. Oh, so they're okay. Keeping out of the Asian men feed. Yeah. What's the Asian girl, white man thing is like the uh, uh, white girl, black dude thing. Yeah, it might be similar to that. Okay. No, I think what it is is like Asian men. This is a stereotype, so you don't fall into the stereotype. But Asian men are, you know, they're intelligent. They're Call a wee nerds. bit feminine. They're, they're relaxed. They're not like, right? They're not fucking American, realistically, you know? They're saying you're just saying they're nerd betas. Yes, kind of. And so you know, then you see like bearded lumberjack white man that's gonna come, you know, impregnate you with his strong seed, and they're like, ha, ah, ah, ha, and then they just get weak at the knees. Oh my gosh, it happens. Okay, let me remind you that there's billions of Chinese people that roam this earth. That all started with some seed. Yeah, a lot more dudes Asian than ch- a lot more dudes than chicks. That's because they uh, got rid of them, man. They hacked them off. No, that's because they have one <laughs> child policy. Yeah, they keep they kept the boys. And to be fair, Genghis Khan was a redhead. How do you know? Uh, I don't, but they speculate that he was... They speculate he was a ginger? Yeah. A ginger Asian dude? Yep. How many ginger Asian dudes do you know? Yeah, for real. Google it. Genghis Khan was a redhead with green eyes. 
Sure, this wasn't like the Babylon Bee or something. No, I'm, I'm I might literally be pulling that one out of my ass. That that might not be real, but I'm pretty sure that I remember <laughs> some some shit about the speculation after looking at a bunch of DNA because you know he, it's like one percent of people in Asia yeah stem from his bloodline. Like it's an astonishing fucking number. One percent. One percent or point one. It's a it's a big number. Whatever it is, oh, stem from his direct lineage. Like that's when he, because he conquered the majority of the world from Eastern Europe all the way to the China, to the sea. Wouldn't that be 99%? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he didn't, he didn't impregnate every one of the women. He also had people and they let some men live and some cities became like their, you know, trading partners and stuff. And they didn't actually kill everybody. Shit. That could be related. You could be. Well, okay, so I do have a Mongolian background. So those of you that don't know me, see me, I am a, you know, a six-foot Asian dude that's uh, got some weight. Uh, my mother told me it is a Mongolian background, so it's probably some chance that, you know what, there's some Genghis Khan seed in there. Maybe that's why I have this propensity to kill things. And yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. So... All right. No, that that make and that makes sense too because you know people that I think we did. Did we do a Mongolian podcast? We never actually did one on it, did we? Mongolian podcast. The podcast on the Mongols and how they took over that. We never no, did that. We never did that. So if you guys have not listened to it, um, hardcore history. Dan Carlin does a three part episode, I believe, on Genghis Khan and his and his you know basically taking over the entire um, Chinese and Middle Eastern world. He, at one point in time, the Mongolian Empire went from Eastern Europe all the way to China, east to west, and it went all the way up into Russia, and it went all the way down to India. That all was Mongolian Empire. Yeah. So, there, there's stories that Dan Carlin talks about in Hardcore History, and um, the the Mongolian book that I read was I can't remember what what it was it was the it was the history of Genghis Khan or something like that, and they they have stories where his son in law was killed when they were trying to take over a city, so he let his daughter decide what to do with the entire city, so that it was her revenge, and she ordered that every single human, dog, and cat were all murdered. In the city were slain. So they they slayed like a thousand people an hour for two days or 10,000 people an hour for two days or something mm-hmm. insane. And so after that, they all the bones were piled up. You know, all the bodies were piled up in a, in a hill. Yeah. And after everything bleached out, you would walk over this mountain and see these hills. And you thought that they were snow covered mountains, but they were piles of bleached bones. That's how many fucking people they killed in these cities. Yeah, it's true. He was a destroyer. And but then he also fucked a lot. Yep. Because they would go in and they would kill all the military age men and basically impregnate as many women as they could. Yeah, because uh he basically I think he wanted to spread spread himself his his lineage all across the world. To be fair, like the way that the book talks about it. Yeah. After his really young years where he was, like, making up for his wife being captured and raped and his son not actually, his first son not actually being his, like, he balanced out. He didn't really, like, he was, 
he was trying to create an empire for his people, but he would go and he was go he would go into these cities and he would basically like say, We want to be trading partners, we want to be allies. And if they if you know if they had a powerful leader that said no, we're not going to give in, then he would kill them all. But if they but if they gave in, he was like he would it, he was literally just creating an empire of trading to go from east to west so that goods could travel back and forth across the Silk Road. He wasn't trying to really conquer. But there's one story where he went in, he went into this, 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 this king that had a large portion of like the Southern Asia kind of, oh, what would it have been? This side of India. So that must've been like Kuwait and like that type of area. And he went in and he made an agreement with the king to trade. Well, the king's uncle was in cahoots with the king's mother. And he, you had to go through the king's uncle's territory first to get to this king's territory. And the king's uncle killed the whole Mongolian envoy that was bringing all the goods for the first trading ex- experiment oh. from Mongol. So Genghis Khan sent his military to kill everybody in the uncle's territory, the mom's territory, and the kid's territory. So the kid agreed. Like, yeah, let's create this trading agreement. It'll be great. But then the uncle took all the fucking loot and killed the Mongolians that were coming for the first trade and fucked it up for everybody. Greed, man. Greed. Greed takes over. (sighs) Well, now now that we got the uh, Mongolian history going here. That's that's stressful, Martin. Would you say that's stressful? Well, stressful. If you want to get in touch with your uh, Mongolian history, uh, go visit your nearest Hoo-Hot. The Hoo-Hot. Hoo-Hot, grab a dish. Is there Uh, still Hoo-Hots out there? Uh, not in Wisconsin, so I don't know. I'd have to see if there's any, any left. My, um, uh, only time that my oldest daughter ever got food poisoning was at BD's Mongolian Grill. BD's? It was over where, like, the U.S. Cellular is now. Oh. Anyways. Damn. Hey, quick news, uh, so Trump is, uh, throwing a couple names out for VP. Tell I me, saw that. What, what, are, what are the names that he threw out? So... Christy Nome, which is somebody that I would be like, wow, that'd be amazing. So she's the governor of South Dakota. Um, very um, articulate. And she stood her ground on like many things. Very a true patriot. She's awesome. So I think if she's a VP candidate, she would be a great asset. The other one, eh, so so Tim Scott. You know Tim Scott? Yeah, he's just is he is he pandering? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he's got a lot of good qualities to him. It's just that when he was in the uh, primaries, he was just a stumbling, bumbling fool. So, you know, Kirsty Nome would be, I think, it would get the whatever you call it. The, Trump's like, I need a woman or I yes. need a black guy. That's it. That's yep. all I can have. Although he's got Vivek too, but, you know, Vivek might be just a little over too over the top. So Vivek is too much of a double Trump. I think it's just something they're looking at is is after the four years of Trump, right? Because he can't run again. Yep. You know, who would be the, I mean, the heir apparent. And she would be good, right? She would be very good. So I would say that would be, I mean, my first choice. Interesting. So anything that's crazy other than we're getting into World War Three here? No, I didn't have anything else. I and mean, we World gave Iran all this money and now we're... Uh, Attacking them, so I don't know. Yeah, Iran's a weird hey. thing. 
It's, yeah. it's been a weird relationship with Iran for the last 50 years. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the party that we have in power right now is, I mean, they're usually pandering to them. And then all of a sudden it's, I don't know what triggered this, but I don't know. The Brits are helping us out too. Maybe we didn't actually do it. Maybe we're just taking credit for it to cover up for something else. Maybe maybe we did it to cover some sort of news that was going to come out. Yeah. I mean, that's all that news is nowadays. Distraction, so. Was I don't know. Was Hunter getting pulled in for another case? That would make sense. <laughs> I don't know. Is he, is he still? I thought he was pretty much scot-free. Oh, I'm sure, he, have like I'm sure he'll get Three free. months of house arrest or something. He's getting free for everything he's ever done. Yep. The big guy, man. Well, I mean, that's that's what happens. That's what happens to elite. You know, you don't you don't have to answer for anything you've done. Look at look at Enron, you know. Yeah. Look at look at the Big Short. Look at the housing crisis. All of this, you you make hundreds of millions of dollars, and you'll you'll serve less time, and your name will be in the news less than if you you know if you stole a thousand bucks from a gas station on the corner. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Biden's uh, Hunter Biden's birthday, so is it right now? So I guess, yeah, Joe. Oh, happy birthday, Hunter. Joe Smoke Biden some crack celebrates for us. son Hunter's birthday at Swanky LA Restaurant. And Smoke some crack for us, Hunter. Let's go. Yep. He lunches with Jill and and Joe on a street in LA. They shut down the street. Okay. What a what a dude. He's my dude. Yeah. So so what what are your thoughts on you you think uh Joe Biden's gonna make it to the election? Oh, yeah. They've propped him up this long. We'll keep him alive enough? Yeah. You know, I think what it is is I think he's like, I think he's like the grandpa that has dementia, right? He, he's he got really good coherent days, and then he's got really shitty days, you know? And I think that's how we get the, that's how we get the some, you know, some speeches seem well put together. And even though you might not agree with what he's saying, like they don't sound bad. And then some of them, he's got the, Million bajillion to trillion. Yeah, and so I think that I think that's what it is. I don't think he's completely, I don't think he's completely falling apart. But I think he's got his good days and his bad days, and he's like a you know he's like a geriatric old man because he is a geriatric old man. You think he has some cognitive awareness of where he even is? On, on some days, I think. But. I mean, Obviously, he's, he's doing, got the best of the best medical. He's doing know. not. He's doing. I believe that he's doing very little of the actual job of the president of the United States. It's all handlers. Yeah, he's just showing up. Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, that's our you know political analyst portion of the show. All right. So it's a new year, and I wanted to get into some. I wanted to get into some stress stuff because we haven't done a podcast on stress in a while. So what I did is I dug into this book, The Stress Prescription by Alyssa Apple. If you guys want, um, she did a great, a few great TED Talks. She was on Huberman's podcast. We'll talk a little bit about the book on this podcast. But what she is, is she is a, a, a stress scientist and a stress research scientist. So what her job is, is to research all aspects of stress what causes stress, how to improve what causes stress, and then like the long-term reactions of what happens from good stress, from bad stress. And 
the idea of stress is, is, is stress isn't inherently bad. Acute stress or uh, short-term stress would be considered something that makes you rise to the occasion, something that happens that causes you to up your game, whether it be physically, mentally, or emotionally. You can upregulate your systems, you can get through the issue, you can get through the stressor, and then you can relax on the other side. That is acute stress. That would be what would be considered positive stress or growth-inducing stress. The issue that we have currently in the United States um, is we live in a constant state of chronic stress. And the reason we live in a, well, not even the reason, part of the reason that we live in a constant state of chronic stress is because we don't only deal with stressors. We deal with, let's say, 60 minutes of stress, but then we have hours and hours and hours, either before or after, ruminating on the stress. Our mind is causing us way more stress than the actual initial reaction would be. And I know we all do it. I know me, me and Martin have talked about it. You got something coming up that you're stressed about. You sit and ruminate about it while you're trying to sleep in bed. Or somebody says something to you, you know, fuck, I've dealt with it with, with reading comments on posts or dealing with internet trolls or stress from internet trolls. Yeah, man. Like it's so stupid, but there is something. Are they directing at you? Um, some of them, some of them are just like, um, I don't do it anymore cause I don't read comments. I don't comment on posts. I don't do shit, but I've had a lot of times in the past where I will see a post that somebody has posted on some social media site and then a comment under it will be attacking that person. And then you'll, you'll try to back them up, you know, by, yeah. by whatever, by saying, you know, I understand what this person is going through. You know, maybe you should see it from a better angle, whatever, whatever you're trying to do. You're just trying to offer your opinion to help this person that has made this post. And then all of a sudden you get into it with this internet troll. And they're a fucking retard. They don't have anything better to do. So they'll sit there and write back and forth and back and forth. And they're literally just going back at you with a useless comment every time that you comment. Because if you finally quit commenting, they're going to feel like they won. So then you keep going back at them because you don't want them to feel like they won. But really, all you're doing is causing yourself stress. Yeah. Well. You've never done that? No, because uh, they, all they're trying to do is get under your skin. Oh, I 100% know. That's why I don't do it anymore. Yeah. You've never been in that situation? No, I don't. Oh, you're a better person. people that comment. It's just, it's just looking at, you know, like with stress, it's like looking at, okay, is it worth my time? Oh, I hate to spiral into getting into an argument with people I don't know. Oh, yeah, 100%. But I can see how it's addicting. And so, like... That got to the point that I could, I just quit, I quit reading comments. I quit commenting on anything. I quit doing, I mean, I just quit basically social media period, which doesn't help this podcast. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but oh, there's all different kinds of stress. It's your boss makes a comment that makes you think he's unhappy with your performance. He doesn't actually say he's unhappy with your performance or she doesn't actually say she's unhappy with your performance, but it starts that thought process. And then it's the ruminating that causes hours and days and weeks of stress way more than the actual initial comment, right? Yeah. And so what, what 
Alyssa Apple has done is looked into the actual physical implications of this chronic stress. And what chronic stress does when it's constantly going, you know, you're living in a, in, a, in a constant state of stress, whatever your constant state of stress is caused by. Some people it's kids, some people it's husbands, some people it's wife, some people it's jobs, some people it's everything. What this does is this increases the triad of aging. The triad of aging is oxidation, cortisol, and inflammation. And if you guys don't know what telomeres are, telomeres are the cap on the end of your DNA that every time your DNA replicates, this telomeres get a slightly bit shorter. And when telomeres get too short, the cells die. And so you're, if they measure your telomeres on the end of your DNA strands, they can actually estimate pretty accurately your biological age. So chronic stress actually shortens the length of your telomeres. So it actually shortens the estimated time that you have left, left on this planet. That's fucked up. Yeah. So she breaks this down into first she wants to start teaching us about stress, start teaching us about our mind, and we have to be be able to first of all have some ability to recognize what state our mind is in. So to make it simple, she builds these four mind states, the four stages of mind. And the red mind is that kind of that that's that acute stress, you know, that red mind response is like something happens and you're instantly stressed and you're mounting a a a, a counteraction against the stress whatever it be physical, mental, emotional. And this is causes a lot of the physical fight or flight. Body dumps glucose for energy, cortisol for um to get to get more energy into the cells and it does all these things for your fight or flight. This is positive. This is not bad. This is just your initial physical stress reaction to something that is temporary. But then yellow mind is kind of where most people live in this chronically stressed state. It is your brain is overloaded. Um, It's not an acute stress response. You are dealing with a constant level of worry, a slight anxiety. You're always thinking about the next thing you need to get done at work. You're always worried about how am I going to get the kids from here to here? What am I going to make for dinner? How am I going to deal with my wife when she's unhappy? How am I going to deal with my husband when I need to tell him that I racked up $1,000 on the credit card? Whatever. It's this constant state of chronic stress. That's the yellow mind. This is most people's like normal state. And then The green mind is your rest. It is a pleasant state that your mind is in when you're doing something you love to do, whatever that is, whether it be working out, whether it be playing an instrument, whether it be, you know, playing sports, playing with your kids, painting, whatever you really, really get lost in doing. It's kind of that, that light flow state. Um, This is when you're in green mind. This is when your body is resting, it is doing some light recovery, it's doing some rejuvenation, some relaxation, and then even deeper than that is the blue mind, and the blue mind is deep rest. It usually includes like physical seclusion, no devices, it's a mindfulness retreat, it's a meditation 
session. It is deeply relaxation. It's a, whatever this is, you know, you're, you're in a, a, a massage and that kind of state when you're 20 minutes into the massage where you're not really sleeping, but you feel like you could be sleeping. It's that. And those, those happen short, but that's where the deepest rest period happens. Um, and what she's, if you look at this and a scale from blue on the bottom to red on the top, wherever you normally ride on this scale, whatever your kind of base is, her goal is to bring it down closer to the next level. If you're constantly in that high yellow, she wants you to get you help you get closer to that mid yellow, low yellow, even into that green state as often as possible, because that is going to slow down your biological aging. And that's where she gives a bunch of kind of examples and ways to, to do that. And she starts with expect the unexpected. Um, because if you are constantly in the open mind state where you're able to shuck and jive and you're able to move with whatever is coming at you and you're a yeah. malleable human being that doesn't need to always have everything rigidly in a box, you are constantly able to handle stressors, whether it be three times today or 20 times today, you're able to handle those stressors and then move on. Whereas if you're the type of person that is always needs to have everything narrow in a box, needs to be on schedule, it needs to be clean, it needs to be organized, it needs to be when you expect it to happen, yep. then the minute that something is out of those boxes, it's going to cause you stress. And anything that causes stress is what we're trying to reduce here. Um, that's where the, the, her next step is when something, when you're always expecting things to be like that, when it violates your expectations, not only does it violate your expectations and cause stress, but then it also makes you second guess your expectations in the future and causes more stress. It's like a double-edged sword. Yeah. I mean, it's goes back to that saying is, uh, you can tell a lot about people when things don't go their way. Yeah, that's perfect. That's a hundred percent. The next one that she gives has some, cr this crazy study that she quotes when she talks about this one, she's talking about the present centered mind, which is kind of the, the mind that if you guys have ever meditated, you know, we've done a bunch of episodes on meditation. The idea is to be in the moment right now. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm recording with Martin, I'm doing this podcast and I'm trying to talk to you about stress. This is what's happening right now. But if I start to think about what I need to do when I get home, I start to think about what I need to do tomorrow when I go to work. I start to think about what I did earlier today. I'm not living in the now. So the idea is that if you can live in the now and enjoy the current moment right now, just this second that I'm in right now, more, your stress levels will be lower. And the, this, this, this study that she quotes in this one, she took a, they took a bunch of women and they separated them into two groups. Group A was put up at a luxury resort. They were able to relax and enjoy themselves for a week long. No kids, no stress, just relax and rejuvenate, right? Mm -hmm. Group B was put in the same resort, but for eight hours a day was taught how to meditate 
all different types of meditation, all different types of mindfulness, all different types of yoga, and then they practiced all these different types, okay? Group A and group B, previous to the week and then after a week, took stress evaluations and depression evaluations. Stress and, and depression drastically reduced in both groups, right? Makes perfect sense. You had a week to relax. The thing is, a year later, they brought back all these people and gave them another stress evaluation and another depression evaluation. And group A was right back to where they were previous to the week. Group B was still at a lower level of stress and a lower level of depression, even though only a small percentage of them had actually continued their practice of yoga, practice of meditation, and practice of mindfulness. Just the week changed how they actually saw their mind and they were able to realize stressful situations and they were able to lower their levels of stress a year later and able to lower their levels of depression. Is that crazy? Yeah. Like that one, when she said that, it was like, oh yeah, of course they were lower. But a year later, only a small portion of them were still actually practicing the things they learned. But they all were at a lower level. Yeah, that's mind-blowing. Hmm. Um, another suggestion she has, which I love this one, and I, I got in a good habit of this one um, for a long time, and then I quit, and I'm going to get back to it after hearing about this, is make your to-do list, and then get everything on it, and put it down when you go to bed. Because if you need to add, if you, if you, if you go to lay in bed, and you think about like, oh, fuck, I got to do that and you just add it to a list, yeah. you just go back to sleep because it's written down. You'll see it tomorrow. Whereas if you think about it, but you don't actually write it down, oh. you're constantly ruminating. Yeah, I got to um, remember to do this. Yeah. Yep. That one is so simple, but so like huge. Yeah. No, I used to fail at that. I used to wake up in the middle of the night and instead of just ruminating about it, I actually woke up and started working. Yeah, don't do that. Found out that's the worst. Yeah, don't thing do that. You could do so. Just write it down that it needs to be done. Because yep. once you get it down, it is there. It's concrete. You will remember it because the fucking piece of paper is right there when you yep. get up. Um, I like this one. Schedule your news and your media so that you have a time of day when you are, you know, whatever your news is, whether it's a news website, whether it's a social media news. Whatever your news is, whatever your media that you consume is, that includes social media, have a scheduled time for that because you don't know if you open your phone and go to your, your news feed at 8.30 at night before you go to bed. It might be nothing, but it might be something that elicits a reaction from you. And if it elicits a reaction from you, you're going to go to bed stressed. Whereas if you have, you know, from 5 to 5.30 when you get home from work, is your time that you consume news and you get caught up on whatever happened for the day. By the time you go to bed, even anything, you're, you know, your candidate got shot and killed or whatever, right? Yeah. It's enough time for that to, to, to process and make its way out of your system and out of your mind. And if you suffer from Trump derangement syndrome, make sure you schedule your news early in the morning. If you, schedule, if you suffer from Trent derange, Trump derangement syndrome, I think you should do it right before bed so that you're less functional the next day. <laughs> um, trying to get him killed or what? No, just less functional, you know. 
Um, don't read comments. We talked about that one. Um, this one is interesting. The sense of control is one of the biggest thing that changes whether a stressor is an acute stress or a chronic stress. If you have a sense of control over that, whatever that stressor is, it's going to be a lot more of that acute stress and it's going to fade away. Whereas if it's something that's happening that you have zero sense of control over, it's going to be much more of a chronic stress because you're going to stress out about the thing and you're going to stress out about the fact that you can't change the thing, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but you can't try to control things that are uncontrollable because then you're going to cause yourself more stress. If it's uncontrollable, you just have to live and let live. You have to, you have to let it process and move out of your life because it's uncontrollable. You even know it's uncontrollable, right? Yeah. Worry doesn't add anything to the situation. No. And that's where she gets into this list. This, this cool thing that she does where, where, so if you read the book, and I highly suggest you read the book, she breaks it down to seven days. Day one, these are the things that we're going to work on. And then day two, these are the things we're going to work on. So one of these cool things that she breaks it down to is this exercise where you take time, you know, 20 minutes, half hour, you literally put the book down and you just start writing down everything that causes you stress in your life. We're not brainstorming how to fix anything right now. We're literally just writing down Anything that causes you stress, laundry, clothes, kids, money, boss, friends, everything that causes stress. And the first day or the first step is to dissect that list and identify anything that can literally just be deleted. Is there anything on there that is causing me stress that I can just stop doing? I can get out of my life. I can throw away I can tell this friend that is constantly adding stress but never adding anything positive that I just can't talk to them anymore because that's all they do is add stress to my life. Whatever it is, that's the first step, right? Yep. The next step is is look at your day from the time you wake up till the time at night and identify any of more of those things that you can delete. So... your media time. Maybe you just don't even need that media time, right? And yeah. then you identify after that all the things that you, you you can't get rid of them, but they are uncontrollable. And if they're uncontrollable, you have to release the stress that they're causing because you literally have no control. You know? Mm-hmm. Um. And then the rest of this, the, the little bit of stuff that you have left, then, then you can start to process and brainstorm how to reduce the stress of those things. Um, she suggests working from death backwards to help uh, figure out what is worth your stress and what is not worth your stress. What, what do you want your last years to look like? How do you get there? Um, And when you identify things that you can't change, then you have to, oh oh, yeah, I already said that. Then you have to process um, how to, how to reduce your control or reduce your trying to control the things that you can't change. Um, For an, and she uses, for an example on that one, she uses caregivers, caregivers who care for um, sick children, 
um, mentally ill family members, they're constantly aging faster and dying earlier than non-caregivers. Because when you're caring after a person that's not you, you have little control over the thing that's causing you stress, right? You can't fix your mom's stroke. All you can do is care for her oh, yeah. while she is fixing her stroke. You can't fix, you know, um, your mentally ill brother or your alcoholic cousin or whatever. If you're caring for them, you can't fix them. All you can do is care for them. And the fact that you have no control over them getting better and getting out of the situation, they're constantly aging faster and dying younger. Um, and there's a lot more in the book, but that's, that's uh, you know, the biggest things that I pulled out of it that I really, really, really wanted to share with you guys is the idea of brainstorming all the things that cause you stress and then getting figuring what, what you can get rid of, figuring out what you have no control over and then getting it down to the handful of things that you can control and then you can start to work through how to process the stress better. Did you get anything else out of that? No, it's kind of uh, it's interesting how caregivers uh, age faster and that makes sense now. So, yeah, and that was and that was the thing is it, it's it's so weird the and, and because she's a scientist, right? And she's mm -hmm. researching the actual science. She's not just looking at at um, questionnaires, but she's researching the actual uh, length of the telomeres and the actual levels of cortisol and the levels of oxytocin and all of these other chemicals that are good and bad. And she can see what is causing negative chemical reaction, which is then causing negative long-term physical reaction. And when someone is in a situation that they don't have control over like that, it is constantly causing more stress than even someone that's in a shittier situation, but it's a situation that they can control. Yeah. So the telomeres. Yep. That's a question I have is, yep. uh, is there any way other than the stress on the body, sleep, that you can rebuild those telomeres? So you don't, you don't rebuild telomeres. You slow down the shortening of your telomeres. Because when a telomere gets to a certain level, that cell is dead. Yeah. Um, so the next cell will be created with a little bit shorter telomere. And then the next cell will be created with a little bit shorter telomere. Um, I have seen some science yeah. from NMN, nicotinamide mononuclide. Oof, that might be way off. So don't quote me on that. But I've seen some studies on NMN, which um, show that they actually lengthen telomeres. But anything that you can think of that makes like a healthier person, right? Like exercise. Um, relaxation, meditation, doing more things that you love. Like these are not just good for your mental well-being. These are actually shown to um, improve the health of your DNA. And I guess, yes, in theory, they are lengthening telomeres because the new cell is going to have a longer telomere than oh. the cell that died. Huh. Weird. It's It talks about the diet that helps improve telomeres but it's like i mean seaweed makes sense 
Yeah. But other stuff is harder on your body, like legumes and nuts. Then it's saying 100% fruit juice, dairy products, and coffee. So legumes, legumes aren't hard on your body. It is the, um, fuck, what's it called? It is a byproduct of the soaking of a legume. Yeah. If it's not rinsed off, that's what's hard on your body. If you, if you have dry legumes and you soak them, rinse them, soak them, rinse them, or if you have canned legumes and you just rinse them really good because they've already soaked for so long, yeah, it reduces or completely gets rid of the bad chemical that I can't think of what it is that it comes from legumes. Okay. So like I eat beans in like multiple meals every day. Yeah. And I don't get any like I don't get any gas. I don't get any of that stuff because hmm. they're 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 canned, and then I rinse the shit out of them to get rid of all of the the bad byproduct that I cannot remember for the life of me what that bad byproduct is. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I'll do some little more uh, research on those. I think the, the biggest thing that comes with legumes and vegetables is not the biggest thing, but one of the big things is fiber. Yeah. Which goes through and helps the digestive system do its job. You know? Yep. Biological aging. That'd yep. be that'd be an interesting subject. And you can actually you can get you can go in and get your telomeres tested. Really? Yeah. I yeah. don't know how much it costs. I've never done it, but I know you can get your telomeres tested and they will they'll give you your actual biological age. Yeah, that'd be interesting to look into. So I don't know, that'll be another one. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good. Um, I think, you know, that, that's a pretty good wrap on stress. But really, the biggest thing to take away is it's not stress that kills you. It's how you process the stress. It's how you look at the stress. Yeah. The same exact thing can happen to two different people. And the person that processes it positively and looks at it, you know, the silver lining type person, it's going to have way different, more positive reactions than the person that is constantly looking at everything like a big stressor. Yeah. It's, to me, it's like going to war. If, if you learn to live as an adaptable person, you're much more inclined to handle stress better. I mean, you're much more inclined to handle everything better, right? Yep. Like resilience is, is a big deal, which is part of the problem with American kids today is they've never been taught to be resilient because their kid, their, their parents have sugarcoated their entire fucking life to the fact that they have no resilience. And the first time something comes, it's hard. They just cave. Right. Exactly. I mean, if they don't get what they want, then, you know, to adults, they have their temper tantrums and then they think they need to go to uh, therapy, take care of it. Yep. So. All right. I think that's a wrap. All right. So. Peace. <laughs>